few years ago, I was lucky enough to go to an amazing ceramic show full of the best of London's young artists. And at that show, I picked up my first ever original artwork. I've treasured these ceramics for years and every day when I look at them, it takes me back to how I felt buying my first ever piece of art. Well, if you too want to get on that collecting ladder and have a piece of work that will fuel a lifetime of curiosity, then look no further than the Affordable Art Fair. And guess what? You're in luck because there's one just around the corner and it's their 20th anniversary. Head down to Battersea Park from the 17th to the 20th of October and you can check out over 100 galleries and thousands of original artworks with prices starting from just £50. For more details and to book tickets, visit affordableartfair.com and for half-price tickets, use the code GREAT at checkout, valid Thursday through Sunday. Huge thanks to our sponsor, The Affordable Art Fair, for making this podcast possible. Hello everyone and welcome to the Great Women Artists podcast with me, Katie Hessel. Some of you might know me from the Great Women Artists, an Instagram account I set up in October 2015 which celebrates female artists on a daily basis ranging from young graduates to old masters. Well, in a similar fashion to the Instagram, this podcast is all about celebrating female artists from a variety of backgrounds and histories. And I'm so excited to be interviewing artists on their career or artists, writers, curators or general art lovers on the woman artist who means most of them. What I want this podcast to do is celebrate female artists in all different capacities so you, the listener, can gain a look into the greatest female artists working now or from art history. My guest this week is the ever-incredible Juno Calypso, the artist and photographer who, despite only starting her career less than a decade ago, has become one of the most exciting and important artists working today. Known for her self-portraits, where she stages herself as a fictional character named Joyce, in the likes of Honeymoon Hotels in America, 70s-style flats in Malta, or, more recently, in a kitsch underground bunker on the outskirts of Vegas, Juno's work is always very distinctly pink and elaborate with a lot of dark undertones. After graduating from London College of Communications in 2012, Juno has since gone on to win multiple awards for her work, including the British Journal of Photography and the Royal Photographic Society, and has had six solo exhibitions across London and Milan. I have been so lucky to have worked with Juno twice, my first ever exhibition back in 2017 that explored women who use Instagram as a platform to showcase their careers, and a show last year at TJ Bolting, where I paired Juno's work with the great surrealist and war photographer, Lee Miller. Welcome, Juno. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I described your work just then as pink, elaborate, with a lot of dark undertones. But of course, it's a lot more than that. Just for our listeners, can you just briefly describe the sort of aesthetic of your work? The aesthetic, I guess, is quite simple. It's photographs of me inside interiors with quite extreme decor and quite dated but it was probably quite extreme at the time and still now people find it quite strange very pink very over the top 
and maybe kitsch. For sure. No, there's a lot of that going on. They're primarily self-portraits. So where did this, I mean, both of us grew up with the internet. We also grew up, I can imagine with you getting digital cameras for your birthday or boring your parents and experimenting with all that kind of thing. Where did this interest in self-portraiture begin for you? I think it was just spending a lot of time in my bedroom with these little cameras, yeah. like you said, the little tiny ones. <laughs> and they'd always break as well. Oh, the lens. <laughs> the lens was just they'd destroyed. Like 300 quid, I yeah. always get told off. I would, I'd love them. And they came in pink as well, which I loved. <gasps> and I put stickers that. on them and it was just my little best friend. And then my other interest was, yeah, just taking pictures of myself. But it wasn't so much for school or art. Like, I didn't want to show these to anyone. It yeah. was for myself. And did your parents know that you were doing all these kind of things? Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> like, I think I had panics as well, where sometimes my dad would want the camera back and I'd be like, oh dear God, have I deleted the images? <laughs> or sometimes I'd borrow it back from him and I'd be like, I'd delete everything before I even looked because I'm like, what has he been taking pictures of? It was oh, just like no. looking into someone else's eyes. You don't yeah. want it, you don't want to know. And obviously this was also the days where you have very slow computers. So I can imagine it yes. was a bit of an effort to just upload them even. Yeah, it was. And they're very small. And I think I still have them. I have hard drives with all these old pictures and they're tiny. Some of the files don't even work anymore. And oh, <laughs> so I'm having flashbacks. Let's, 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 you, let's not go back you've, there. You've led me there. <laughs> <laughs> so when was it that you seriously got interested in self-portrait I could imagine mm. how old were you at this point maybe like 10 or something yeah sort of 10 I had a really prehistoric camera it was like a Game Boy camera which was actually amazing what's that it was like a regular little Game Boy you'd play Pokemon on but instead of putting in a game you could put in a camera oh my god and it was I basically totally a webcam this. I know it was insane it was like I can print my own work how and I'm 10. Like, yeah. what the hell? When I was a teenager, then it was the little digital ones. But when I took it quite seriously, I think it was in maybe a bit of GCSE, a little bit. I'd use them to paint from because I wanted to be a painter. Okay. And so I would paint from these pictures, but I would not show them to anyone. And they were always of you? Yeah, just because it was easier. 16-year-olds these days are doing this, but mm. it wasn't really the time to organise a photo shoot. Yeah, you wouldn't even absolutely. know to call it a photo shoot. <laughs> like, it just wasn't a thing. So were you setting up, in terms of, like, constructing these photographs, are these you mm. taking that classic picture of you, like, the flash in the mirror, mm. or was it putting things on timers? What were you doing? Yeah, there was lots of flashes in the mirror. That I feel like I can divide it into two things. There's, like, the flashes in the mirror being, like, what do I look like? Am I sexy? Mm. Is this cool? Like, what is this angle? How how do people see me and then there was the stuff I did for school which especially for sixth form I did some where I think I tried to do like crime scene photography they introduced us to Ouija that guy that would take pictures of people in crime scenes yeah and, and so I tied myself <laughs> I tied myself <laughs> up and put myself in the bath and had like mascara running down my face oh my god yes and put the camera on the other side of the bath and was doing all these faces like <laughs> I'm scared like oh save me it was like kind of like noir like me doing that. doing that just thought oh I'm crazy love that and <laughs> yeah. how did your teachers react to that kind of thing they were quite positive about it they were surprised that I went to the effort I think they were like okay this is interesting and then I moved quickly on to taking pictures of other people because I met lots of new people at sixth form and it was like oh she's really beautiful I'll take pictures of her because that's how I thought photography worked like you just pick pretty people yeah and they are the ones that should be in front of the camera not me 
Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. I think also mm. we grew up in that kind of environment. Oh, yeah. Especially in the noughties. That kind we of had like the lads of, mags. We did. We had page we three. We had them to a crazy level. Yeah. Page three, everything. So yeah. photography was something that you clearly were really interested in or just portraiture in general. Did you kind of like know that you wanted to pursue this when you were older? No, not at all. In fact, it was funny. It was the opposite. I wanted to be a painter. And then... In sixth form, I did a bit of photography and it was like, oh, this is good. I surprised myself at how good it was when I took a picture of this pretty girl. I was like, oh, it's so pretty. It's so nice. Like, <laughs> um, but then I went to Chelsea School of Art to do my foundation and it was very fine art, very painting. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go into the fine art department. And after we had our six weeks of trying out every different thing, we got to choose and I sat down with like the head of fine art and I was like yeah I want to do painting and he just looked at me like no <laughs> and he just said all your paintings are just photorealistic you just paint from pictures that's not how it works blah 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 he just laid into me my mum told me this recently I completely blanked this out but apparently in that same meeting he was like you have no place in fine art you belong in the media department with photography and film you need to be spoon-fed ideas you need to be given briefs you are not an original thinker and apparently my mum told me I got up and I walked out and I went you fucking prick <laughs> <laughs> to this guy oh my god rightly so but like, I mean that's a classic yeah. thing I know of people going to art school mm. and especially also being women mm. and going there and actually their male tutors saying to them actually yeah. you're not going to have a career out of this as well because also yeah. it's like the demographical of women who leave art school compared mm -hmm. to men and just the mm -hmm. men saw yeah and I'd never spoke to him before he didn't even teach me wow. he just took one look and was like no nope. so did that give you more whenever mm. I remember getting rejected yeah. from a university when I was younger yeah. and the fact that I didn't get in I was like right I've got to teach them yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah I think so yeah I was reluctantly sent into the photography department and I knew I was kind of good at it and I carried on doing it and I liked how quick it was, the turnaround. You could come in every week with something new. I was still kind of rebellious and annoying and not doing all the homework and not doing everything. And I could tell they were frustrated with me. And then I did one project at the end of my art foundation because I was still like not sure like should I photograph people but then I find people quite stressful. And yeah. so I, instead I used dolls and that's when they just, whew, yeah, my head out. was chopped off. <laughs> I did all this whole series of like dolls in hospital. And then I came to like the end of year show and my work wasn't on the wall. They put up some old work I had and I was like, where's my work? And they were like, yeah, we just didn't like it. We just thought it was a bit shit, really. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna ban dolls. Actually, no, you've reminded us we're gonna ban. But did you not like sort of speak to your tutors along the way or anything? That, no, it was it was my first taste of that real art school. Mm. This was the first time you had teachers that were like, I don't need to help you. Like they just had this whole new attitude that was like basically everyone in the art world. But did it you like, like that? Yeah, yeah definitely. No, I, it was a shock. I just ended up not going in and just like walking around Pimlico, being lost oh, no. and just being like, what am I doing here? Yeah. But then you obviously wanted to keep going because then did you go to LCC or did you go to Leeds no, first? No, I went to Leeds first yeah, just because I wanted mates. to party. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to have Fair a good time. I was like, enough of these pretentious losers. <laughs> I want to have a good time. And so I just went up there and was like, I just picked any photography course and my teacher at Chelsea was like, why are you picking this one? How I long did you last? Leeds. Two years. Oh, okay, quite yeah, a while. Quite a while, but it was the kind of course where you could leave and go somewhere else. And I was like, who would ever go somewhere else? How embarrassing. Imagine having to start again. But then by the end of the two years, I was like, get me out of here. Our briefs were like fruit and vegetables. That was it. Oh, yeah. No, nothing deep. Just like still life, fruit and veg. Yeah, that, that's not that? very Juno Calypso. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> but Juno Calypso hadn't been invented. No. At this point. No. So that was at LCC. What happened there? Oh, 
my life got turned around <laughs> I got changed I got saved I yeah it was like going back to Chelsea again it was that same attitude where they were just like you'd go to them for help and they're just like get away from me I'm busy yeah. I'm working I'm a practicing artist I'm working yeah they're not giving you any fruit or vegetables no off. there was nothing we had like some briefs that were kind of they were very deep like there was lots of reading I was like when do we actually take pictures mm. it was just all sitting around and they'd print out essays I would all sit there in silence reading the same essay and I was like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> this is so strange did you enjoy that kind of thing though in the first term no because I'd been in Leeds I was like I'm yeah. cool like what the hell is this about like come on let's just take some pictures man and suddenly I was like okay and so I had the worst first term but then in the end I just thought I need to do this I need to prove them that's when I got that kind of phoenix from the ashes feeling where you're yeah. like I'm gonna prove them wrong so obviously your work is quite distinctive were you doing that kind of distincting photography whilst you were there or like what are the people doing as well at the same time other people seem like they'd been already at LCC for a year already. I joined in the second year and they were doing very serious work. The pictures weren't significant. It was about what they'd been researching yeah. and what they're interested in and what theories. And the pictures were all on film, all very beautiful. And they were like the creme de la creme yeah. of fine art photography. No digital cameras, nothing. Just so were you working on film as well? No, I was on digital. I was there with my little <laughs> the SLR. Camera. I was like, oh, okay. How do you use this stuff? Because like every course teaches you how to use a darkroom, but you're like, okay, when can I stop doing this? Yeah, but am yeah. I right in thinking that your dad taught you how to use a darkroom? He had a darkroom in the house. That was his hobby. But your your parents are both doctors, right? Yeah, they're doctors, but he never wanted to be a doctor. He doesn't like blood. He's, oh it makes God. him faint. So he's like, what kind of doctors he do? I know. He does skin instead. He okay. does rashes. He's, he's like, I can do a <laughs> rash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a rash will do. But he loved photography and music. So he had a little dark room in our house. And yeah, he would kind of show us. He wasn't a very good teacher. He was kind of just would do it. And mm. then we'd just sit there. And I think he wanted my brother to get into it, but my brother didn't care. But then I was like, the like, okay, she'll do. Mm. She can carry it on then. Because I associated it with my dad. I was like, oh, dark room, boring. That's like my dad's room in the house. So when you were at LCC, what were you like experimenting with? Were mm. you doing those self-portraits that we kind of all know today? How did that mm. work develop? I hadn't taken pictures of myself for a while. Because also with photography, you're thinking, how do I make money from this? And so you're thinking, okay, I'll do fashion and beauty. I loved portraits of faces and really glossy, beautiful images of women's faces. And so I thought, oh, I like beauty and fashion photography. Um, and so I was still like trying really hard to like get friends to come and do a photo shoot. And in the first time I took these pictures, this is when they shut me down when I took pictures of myself, but it was just my legs. I'd always heard like, yeah, they break you down to build you up. But I was like, they're not building me up. Like, where's the build up? So instead I just thought, okay, I've got to do this myself. I'm going to prove to them. And I made friends with like the smartest girl in the class. And I was like, show me what you do. How do you do this? Mm. And I learned how to do research and in the beginning, I thought, why am I going to read a book? Like, what has that got to do with taking pictures? But then I realized the more I read, the more I researched, it was just so much quicker to make what I wanted to make and just to get an idea. Like, ideas would just start popping into my head when I was reading. And I was like, okay. So then what happened from art school when you were kind of experimenting a bit more and you, and yeah. you were reading, what then sparked yeah. your interest? So straight when I got back and I was doing all the reading, we had a brief that was called 
digital. Ooh. I was like, oh, I guess this was 2011. So I was like, oh, what is the digital world going to do to us? And some people were taking crazy pictures of like keyboards coming out of their head and like just like, or just, or really abstract stuff. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do that's different? I don't want to take this too seriously. I don't want to be like, is digital good or bad? Yeah. I want to just be funny. I just thought, I have a laugh. Like these people in my class are actually really funny and I want to make them laugh. I want to do something that's a bit more relatable. And I think I just had an idea about what kind of jobs are women interacting with technology or like kind of like a receptionist behind a desk. I think mm. I just had this image of kind of mundane technology. So instead of it being like, oh my God, like, wow, like phones are going to kill us in our sleep. Just more like, what is the mundane every day? But at the time I was thinking, okay, models, I'm going to get my friend, my best looking friend to dress up as a receptionist and also other outfits. I thought maybe it could be a whole series of typical cliche sexy outfits or like occupations that are turned into sex objects. So I bought all the costumes and that's where I think I got a taste of like, oh, costumes and wigs and... I got the whole thing together and then I was like, right, okay, let's get the friends and organize them. But we had to bring in stuff. Every week we'd have a crit where we'd sit down and it was all very serious. Every week? Every week. So, yeah, so I didn't have the models yet. I didn't have the final images yet, but I had all the stuff. I had all the gear and I had an idea. And so I was like... (laughs) So I thought, oh, I'll just do it with myself, like just to show them a bit of a taste of what I want to do. But I felt really embarrassed to show them pictures of myself. So I thought, let's make this funny. And I put on all the stuff, like the glasses, and I had some fake teeth. And I put it all in and I just started doing like funny, fake, sexy poses to the camera, like really over the top. And I brought them in and we had this career and everyone goes around one by one. And it's all very serious. Like, yeah, this week I've been thinking about this. Like, uh. And then it got to my turn and I just thought, I can't describe what I've done. Let me just show them the images. Yeah. And I was so nervous. And then there was just like this, like crack of laughter like everyone just suddenly was cracking up including my teacher who was very serious and never laughed and I thought oh this is different yeah like I wasn't even expecting big laughs I didn't I wasn't doing it to get that and I was like no no no, this is not this isn't it like this is just a test like there's going to be models blah 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 and she was like nah cancel the models this is funny do this I want to see more of this Joyce was born Joyce was born 2011 So obviously Joyce was like born in those early days. Mm. What then happened afterwards? Did you Mm. continue using Joyce like in those years afterwards? Yeah, I think I just thought, okay, people like this. And what was the reaction as well in your degree show? Did you show Joyce? Oh, it went so well. I loved it. I got like the top marks, everything. Like after getting the worst, I suddenly was like the best. And I took pictures. I know it was like, it was, you know, you look back and you're like, that was a good time. (laughs) That was nice. It's still a good time. Oh, it's still a good time. (laughs) I had a picture of me jumping out of a cake in my mum's house oh, yeah, I, I, made, yeah, I built this cake I just really went for it I pushed it all the way I had videos and yeah got good grades and the response was good even like they'd have pretty big people coming to do guest lectures and we had Tim Walker come wow I know and he came and we gave him a tour of all the degree show work and he just stood staring at mine for quite a while and I was like oh what is he thinking and I think you were supposed to ask them questions like what do you think what do you think I should do and I was like um what do you think I should do after I graduate shall I do fashion he was like no don't do fashion he was like this is funny do this and so I was like ah, oh, okay cool So then after you graduated, you started to look for quite interesting locations. And one of those locations was your grandmother's house. Why did you decide to use these as particular locations for your photographs? 
it was just the easiest place yeah. I could find that was free. <laughs> like so I your grandma my... to have the most like brilliant like seventies or eighties style. Kind of my English grandma. It was like this will do. It was nice. It had a few like floral cushions and symmetrical headboards and all of that. Did they ever ask any questions? No, they were just happy to see me. Oh. And they're just like, oh, here she and you're is. Upstairs making <laughs> yeah, really weird exactly. Stuff. It's like, why is she being so nice? And it's because I was deeply exploiting their house and their private bedrooms. So I was suddenly like, okay, this is a set now. It's interesting when you're kind of like finding these locations as well, because I feel like you're really interested in actual like real life. So mm. going to these places that actually exist. For example, when you looked at your grandma's house, where you like okay yes Joyce I can see the set now and everything Mm -hmm. yeah I just think I didn't realize sets existed Mm. the way they do I thought everything was shot on location like everything and I liked sneaking around a bit as well and having a bit of a holiday you know just go to grandma's and just lie there and then make some work (laughs) because I'm right in thinking that um uh in Malta Mm. so one of the works was actually in the show last year yeah called 12 Reasons I'm Tired. 12 Reasons You're Tired All the you're Time. You're Tired All the Time. Mm. Which, where's, where's that title from? It was from a women's magazine on oh, the yeah. front cover. It was one of their cover stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. They're touching on quite an interesting topic. <laughs> Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it capitalism? It was like, no, you just need to drink more water oh, and God. get more sleep. It was like, what the fuck is this? I want, this is not the answer. No. And so I just thought that's quite funny to put that with it. But that was with a mask as well. So yeah, in that image, I'm standing in a pink bedroom and I'm wearing like a long kind of wedding dress and wearing this plastic mask that I found on eBay that was like a beauty mask. It's supposed to make you beautiful. It's supposed to electrocute you. So when you were in Malta, mm. I know that you um, got on Airbnb. Mm. Was, was this the first time that you were on location kind of by yourself in a different place? Yeah, that was 100% the first one. I booked it and I didn't realize you had to tick like entire house <laughs> if you wanted some privacy I just thought oh my god this room is pink I'm and it's so cheap and it's so cheap it was 10 euros a night I was like Jesus Christ I'll stay there for five nights and so I had five nights in this house around the corner from my grandma's house and the whole family were in the little flats like it wasn't even a house it was like a one level flat and there was just a whole family there and they were actually that was like the best room in the house the pink one but they'd all shuffled out of it and gone into like the shit rooms and stuffed themselves in tiny rooms just to get the 10 euros a night and I was in there taking the piss like just moving furniture around and then yeah they just kept coming in the room unannounced and being like do you want to we're gonna go and drive to see the sunset you're a photographer do you want to come take a picture of the sunset I'm like no thank you so when did you like construct all these scenes was it through the night yeah it was through the night I tried in the daytime sometimes but there's just I'm more on edge thinking they're gonna come in just to use the house phone so the only phone the the house house phone was in the room (laughs) so I was like "Mm, I'm not taking any chances in the day so I would just stay up all night and take the pictures but I found it relaxing you know it wasn't like oh staying up all night it was like a relief like finally it's quiet but then the camera would make like this huge noise and I'd be like, oh, please don't come in. <laughs> and so when you're coming back after Malta, mm. how do you kind of then decide, because obviously the whole honeymoon series mm. is coming after this. When you came back from Malta, did you feel that you wanted to get away again to a different place in the yeah, world? I did, yeah. I was looking again, because that was on Airbnb that I found the pink room. And I thought, oh great, it's so easy. Just go on Airbnb. And I think I spent hours and hours and weeks and months trying to find that first love again so how did the honeymoon hotel come to be it was in the tumblr days i was very big on looking on tumblr for stuff and there was lots of pink 
stuff on Tumblr. Like everything was like pink, sad and pink. I was like, yes, this is me. And there was this pink bathroom that I found and I had the picture and I saved it to my desktop. And then I just, I don't know, it just kind of dawned on me one day to find out where that place was. And so I reverse searched it. I found the address. I found out it still existed. I thought, how does this still exist? Yeah, it was like, oh my God, this place is still here. And it's not that far, I guess. And I found it, I got the address and I just thought, oh, I worked out how much it would cost. And I thought, hmm, I could do that. So what happened when you got there? Because oh. obviously this was a couple's hotel, isn't oh, it? I, I don't, like, now I look back, I'm like, yeah, you're mad. Like, what were you doing? But at the time, I just thought, I don't care. I'm 21 or 22, whatever, I don't care. I just thought I need to do this because I think I had had such like rare success as a graduate. Like as a graduate, everyone talks about like, oh, you're going to be so lost for years. And I was successful straight away with my first little project. But then after you're not a graduate anymore, no one cares. And so I think I was desperate. I was clawing back to get back to those days. I was like, I want to feel good again. But did you even have any intention of like exhibiting this kind of work? No, I just just thought I've got to make it. Mm. I've got to make it. I need to make something because I had a few people that knew about me then and I felt like I had a reputation even though I didn't like I had nothing but I just thought I I just had like (laughs) oh I've got to impress them again I don't want to just disappear and not do this anymore so and I just thought I can't believe this place is there I need to go yeah Um, and so what was it like so when I got there I was in a really good mood I recorded the whole thing on my phone on voice notes yeah and so I've got recordings of me and I sound happy as Larry like anytime I saw a person I would start recording just to be like, what is this? Because I don't drive. So I had to get a coach to a little pancake house in the middle of nowhere. This wasn't like a honeymoon coach, was it? It was the love wagon. It was the love machine. That's what it was called. The love machine. So who else was on it? No one. Just me and the driver of the love machine. That's intense. Who was my best friend in the end. But yeah, he picked me up and it had like holes in the sofa. And it was just, it was like all covered in flowers, but just like, oh tatty yeah but i loved it i got in i started recording and yeah it's just me and him talking about like oh britain oh you're british and it's that's when i realized oh like you have a real advantage being british in america you can just get away with anything and they think you're cute so yeah he was just like wow oh my god what are you doing here i think i had my story prepared i was like yeah i'm just a travel blogger and i just thought play the young card just Mm. be like i'm young and i don't know yeah i just like things these photographs that you took there are just incredible in the sense that they're like nothing you've ever seen before and it's like couldn't be more perfect for Joyce Mm. how did you like construct everything how did you get access to all these different rooms as well the English charm again the the lost little English girl just whacked it all the way up and I was just I emailed the head of marketing for the hotel and I was like do you mind if I take some pictures and then he came and met me when I was there and he was like oh I used to take pictures myself oh god and it was like excellent (laughs) a failed photographer I can work with this <laughs> I was like oh yeah la 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 and then he just gave me a tour of the whole place and I was just saying I was taking pictures of the room like, yeah there was no me involved and he was like yeah sure can't see any problem with that it was very quiet so he like, didn't see very... like massive suitcases clearly no, everything in no from, like no, no. a makeup bag I put the do not disturb sign on and no one knew what was in the room at all yeah he let me have a key and yeah. what other kind of rooms were they to be honest, the one I was in was the best one. The one I was in is the one I took most of the pictures in. It's the one where it's like a, heart, a pink heart-shaped bath with mirrors all around. I was most comfortable in there. And then there was another room that I never used because there was no windows in it. Yet it had a swimming pool and a hot tub. Okay. So it was hot. And then there was like a couple of wasps in the room as well. Oh. Like, you know, just like, if I was actually a guest, how would this work? But as of, like, as I'm me doing this, this is fine. 
So how is it constructing these photographs? Because obviously if you look at the one that you referred to as uh, sensory deprivation, mm. which actually I, that's the first work I ever saw of yours. And it was just like the most incredible thing. And I was like, I've never seen photography like this in my life. I went to Photo London, went to the TJ Bolting stand and was amazed by it. Oh, and I think that thanks. is the kind of reaction that you're photographs give you mm. but also at the same time it's it's kind of hard to believe that you are the only one at that place yeah. um so how do you like construct all these scenes it's trial and error yeah. mainly yeah even now i'm like how did i do that the other ones were quite straightforward it's just the camera on a tripod and i have a remote control and i'll spend a lot of time setting up the image being like okay what do i want the composition to be it has to be perfect because photography is one of those weird mediums where you're kind of judged on everything it's like okay it has to be technically good and then it has to mean something as well so I was always big on like I don't mind if people criticize my work for what it is but I don't want them to say it's technically wrong so I would spend a lot of time setting it up and then I'd get all my hair and makeup on and jump in and start posing snap 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 it's all digital so it's just snap away then go back to the camera check it out go back in snap 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 and it's just like back and forth for hours and hours and hours but I can't stop until I see something the same way when you see it and you're like, oh, it's like I get that exact same feeling when I see the raw image on the camera. I'm like, oh, OK, I like this. I don't hate this. But yeah, that one sensory deprivation, that was like <sighs> that was hard. So it was it's a picture of me in a bath from above, but it was actually made out of two images because there was this bath that when you get in it and you look up at the ceiling there's a huge mirror on the ceiling obviously for couples wanting to see everything and rude are, but aren't they also surrounded by mirrors as mirrors well? there mirrors there everywhere you yeah. think like i don't know i don't want to see all them angles but anyway good for me in the end because the mirror on the ceiling meant that you had this whole view of the bath what i did was i was lying in the bath i was looking up i was thinking that's the image in the mirror on the ceiling that's what i want how do i get that I can't just point a camera at the ceiling because you'll see me in the reflection with the camera. So instead I got the bin from the hotel, put it inside the bath, empty with no water in it, put the camera on the bin facing up and just took a picture and that got it. Like that got the whole amazing view that has all the lovely reflections and everything. I was like, cool, done, okay. Uh, now what, like how do I get myself in there? <laughs> I was desperate, I was like, this is the best image of yeah. my life and I can't finish it. And then I thought, what if I do a composition of two images and I actually get the camera as high as I can on a tripod above the bath, fill it with water, get me in it and just have a picture of me in the heart shaped water and then drop that in. And that's what I did. Oh my God. But it was, it was hot and stressful and scary and weird. It was just like a lot of equipment hanging over my head. So you are traveling to these places alone. Mm. What is that like? It's quite thrilling, Yeah, I'd say getting on a plane by yourself, doing all of that and going here, going there. I don't mind it. I'm not like a scared traveler. And what kind of people did you interact? Did anyone want to hang out with you or take you anywhere? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the guy that drives the love machine in the beginning, the first guy I met who picked me up and took me to my room. So he was chatting away. And then in that drive down to the hotel, I asked him if he'd heard about this. There was an abandoned hotel nearby. And he was like, yeah, I've always wanted to go there. And we arranged to go there together. And I think I'm just naive. I just thought like, yeah, like, great. This is so good. I'm making the most of this trip. The driver of the love wagon. Yeah, like, this is great. This is, girl. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> like, oh, there's no, like, I didn't think about danger. And in a way, we shouldn't. We shouldn't yeah. think about that. So 
yeah, I just thought, great. And he was like, yeah, I'll pick you up at 11 on Thursday. And so we went together to this abandoned place. And he was like, do you want to drink afterwards? And I was like, yeah, why not? And it was just, wow. So the next day, I know that you created your green woman. Mm. So how did that happen? Was it like mm. from this crazy experience that you had? Is that, do these like crazy experiences also inform what you're going to make? No, I'd say that made it worse. <laughs> I'd say that was, that was like the only regret I had when I woke up the next day. It was one of those hangovers where you wake up and you're like, how did I get here? Like, I don't remember. And the next day I was like, oh, I had like an actual panic. I was like, this is my last day. I've spent so much money to be here. This is not a laugh. Like, this isn't like, oh, I'll tell my friends oh, I had such a crazy time. I need to do something and I'll probably never come back here again. This cost me so much money. And so... I looked in like what I had and I had like a makeup kit with like body paint and I was like, it's going on, it's getting on. Like I'm putting the body paint on. I'm gonna paint myself green. Why not? Like I need to do, the, I need to do a showstopper. And I did. Are you looking at your works while you're out there or do you kind of come back and then kind of really think about them? I put them from my camera to the computer and I'll sit there in bed and be like, mm, what did I do today? Did I do enough? Which ones do I like? And yeah I had that one and I thought it was really fun and it looked kind of good but I was like do I just like this because it looks nice but it's a bit like pantomime ish it felt a little bit too much yeah, but I mean it's kind of gone viral since I know yeah, so the weirdest ideas will become the the best work people just go mad for that kind of stuff I know I'm mad for it now I love it I'm like yeah it is it kind of ticks all the boxes it's simple it's just like two colors it's a pink bathroom and it's a body and it's just it's just like a little feast for the eyes you know mm. it just is nice so of course that series was so much about women and the perception of this woman being obsessed with the commercialization of beauty what sort of conversations did you want to be happening when making these works at that time i was getting caught up in a lot of conversations about like women and feminist art and femininity and that was 100 percent what my work was about it was like do you yeah. think it's overtly feminist are you trying to make I that? Oh, statement? I was. I was hardcore. I was like, I, I wanted to find the most hardcore feminist texts and read them and be like, yes. Like, oh my God. I just was, yeah, I was very hardcore. What do you think is feminist about Joyce? What are you trying to say about her? First of all, I was trying to say a woman can be like prescribed to all this kind of cliche feminine stuff like aesthetic stuff like hair nails makeup outfits sexy like presenting as sexy and feminine and it can be kind of exhausting and disappointing and weird and strange and so that was one feeling and I think a lot of women related to that feeling a lot also after that I felt like people were looking at the work and thinking kind of like I just want to, I don't know I grew up with like my brother and my dad and like lots of men being just like patronizing me for my interest so if I was reading a women's ma a girl's magazine they're like oh and like pick it up and start laughing at it or and or I remember in my bedroom I had like a Katie Price like a Jordan <laughs> autobiography and every man that came into my room why have you got that what like just like so like they thought they were so funny and so clever to be like oh oh my god like you've got this like so stupid she's such a oh and it's like wow the misogyny is just leaking out of your brain like yeah. it's just flowing out I wanted my work to be like we know I know like that's what Joyce is saying she's basically saying I know 
I know this is stupid. I know this is futile. I know this is cliche and this is not good for me. I know this isn't advancing the female race or whatever. Like I know this is not good, but I like it and I'm doing it and you're making me do it. And here it is. What are you going to do? Like, leave me alone. I know. Like, I just hated. Yeah hated being patronized so it's like yeah here it is but even like the sense that you use so many masks in your work mm. as well like why are you trying to sort of also shy away from what she really looks like yeah I just I got sick of seeing my face <laughs> I got so sick of it I got so sick of because you can see too much in a face like you can just see way too much also it becomes more about like what you look like yeah and I was well. just like the mask I was like this is perfect it's spooky and it hides my face and also then you can read into it and be like oh yeah you know the masks you wear in life and what do they mean yeah blah 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 so it, it worked on multiple levels but the main level was didn't have to see my face anymore what's kind of been the reaction to your work in the sense that because I know that a lot of like mothers always like love asking you about like your photography career and I think you're really successful but then there's an element to it that is oh yeah I don't want my daughter to be like that oh yeah do you think there's like a lot of like belief in Mm. actually taking joys quite seriously yeah I do get people looking at my work and being like oh it's so great so great so great but and then, and then again, the misogyny starts leaking out of their mouth, and they start talking about, "Oh, I I really hope my daughter doesn't grow up to be one of these girls that just takes pictures of themselves." And it's like, I am that girl. Hello, I'm right here. I did that. I'm not just. I didn't just wake up one day and start taking like really interesting critiques on selfies. I was taking selfies. I was trying to be sexy and get attention as a young girl, and I don't think it was that bad. And so people have mixed feelings about it. When it's art, they're like, oh, that's fine. It's good. It's a critique. It's like, it's not really a critique. It's just an observation. Mm. And obviously you use a lot of colour pink as well, Mm. which is so overtly feminine. Yeah. But I know that you enjoy looking at the different significances of pink Mm. and what they mean. Why do you always come back to that aesthetic? I know. I can't help it. it. I just love pink. My God, I'm wearing a pink t-shirt today. (laughs) Yeah, it just makes me feel like nice and then yeah I've done lots of research into it I was like why does it make me feel so good you know it is feminine and cute and innocent and reminds us of maybe of being young and like sweet and innocent but then it's also very sexual it Mm. can be and then also people say like if red is the color of love pink is the color of flirtation Mm. and longing and desire and I was like yep that's it when I read that bit I was like yes flirtation longing desire give me some of that that is what I'm about like I'm not about love I'm about this the build-up the madness the delusion the just oh the kind of overly sweet overly done feelings and also there's constant as well which I find in your work so much of it is like an obsession with youth as well yeah I think all the masks I've got are anti-aging Actually, yeah, that kind of leads nicely into what the new project was, The Mm. Million Years. So at the time, everything was like feminist and look at all these crazy beauty standards we impose on women and all this anti-aging stuff is so bad. But then I got a bit bored of talking about feminism because also I was like, I don't think I know everything. I don't think I'm that smart. Like, I don't know. I'm like 20 something. I don't know. So when it came to this new project, What to Do with a Million Years, I was like, all right, no more women stuff no more and so I thought I want to do something that's completely different but I had found this house in Las Vegas this underground mansion but then I found out that the owners of the house were cryogenic people people that want to be frozen when they die so they can come back another time (laughs) later on be right right back (laughs) how did you find this place 
It was on my list. I've got a long list and I add to it oh all God, the time. The golden list. The golden list. I look at it now. I'm like, no, I would never, okay. never go there. <laughs> but yeah, the golden list. And I would add to it all the time. And there was this house in Las Vegas. And I just thought, well, it's been a while since the honeymoon. I think it's time for a next one. And then when I found out that the people were cryogenic people, I thought, oh, great. This is more about death. So basically it was built in the 60s by a rich elderly couple who were very afraid of impending doom nuclear war and they wanted a very extravagant and so fast forward to today the house has changed hands a few times it's been sold so does anyone actually live there like sleep there yes one man one man sleeps and lives in the little house and so you were in the spare room of the bunker I was downstairs so he's above ground in a little house and I I went there twice the first time I stayed downstairs so you stayed the night I stayed three nights I think what was that like Oh, it was scary. It was, my friend came with me at first to kind of drop me off and check I was not staying with a murderer. But how can you tell? You yeah. just don't know until you're dead. But um, she, <laughs> but you're still and then you still don't you're know. Still but uh, she dropped me off and then, I, so I was kind of on the buzz of like being with a friend. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just with my friend being good and cool mm. and like whatever. And so I didn't really mind and I stayed there. And, but then when you turn all the lights off down there, it's just pitch black. It's just dark. There's a swimming pool down there. So there was like a drip, drip, drip of oh, the swimming it. pool. And is it all, because it's immaculate when you see your pictures, mm. is, have people redone it? Since? Hardly. Like it's pretty much because it's exactly had no light the same. Exposure, I yeah, guess. that's how they sold it in the 60s to housewives. They were like, they thought the future was underground and they're like, you'll never dust again. <laughs> oh my God. They're like, yeah, you'll never have to dust. Like there's no problems down there. There's no noise. And yeah, that was the problem for me. There was no noise. There was nothing. It was just like quiet and then a few drip drips. And I'm like, oh, give me a break. And so what was the reaction? Because I think Mm. your work obviously is, there's so much to it, but I think people are just so blown away by the place Mm. as well. What was the reaction when you came back to London? Yeah, people were like, what is this? Is this real? Oh, I love the set you built. I'm Mm. like, what budget do you think I have? I cannot build this. Yeah, and then the images, yeah, people were really kind of creeped out by it. And I'm glad because I was like, yeah, you're getting a taste of what I had for like three weeks. But yeah, I do like stepping into these places and also stepping into situations that I probably won't experience for myself, like a honeymoon, a (laughs) wedding and like a perfect little house. It's just like, I can't believe I can get access to this. And I can feel it and live it for a week. And a week is enough. So, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Mm. Okay, so this is obviously the Great Women Artists podcast. Mm. And uh, I want to ask you if there was a female artist, living or dead, and uh, maybe who's influenced you the most and what would you say to them? I was thinking about... Well, there's one person I always mention when people ask me, but she did have the biggest influence on me. And that was... Esther Teichman, who was my tutor at LCC. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she taught me. She was the one who laughed when she saw (laughs) Joyce. And she was the one who said, continue doing this. She literally changed my life. She was just on fire. Like, she was so hardworking, so dedicated to her work. So she takes sort of large format photographs out in swamps of kind of family members or boyfriends or herself I think and friends and they're very sensual and some of them are quite erotic but then there's also a lot of grief in her work it's very sad and poetic and very beautiful and just 
nuts <laughs> yeah i know that's not the most sophisticated word no but it's fine it just blew my mind knowing how hard she worked on stuff and how dedicated and she would just spend all her time reading and researching and working and just never stopping and i just thought oh wow i've never seen this before and i want to be you literally i need how do i do this like i want to be this yeah and is she, she still around oh yeah she's okay. still around so you just say hi to her to so i just say thanks thanks <laughs> Thanks, Han. Okay, well, <laughs> thank you so much, Juno, for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to the third episode of the Great Women Artists podcast with the brilliant Juno Calypso. It was so interesting to hear all about Juno's photographic career so far. And if you're interested in seeing her work in real life, she's currently in a group show at TJ Bolting in London. This podcast was sound edited by the excellent Ellie Clifford. Thank you to Naomi Abel Hirsch and of course my composer Ben Weatherfield. Please do not forget to rate, review and subscribe as it helps others find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening to the Great Women Artists podcast with me, Katie Hessel. If you're still looking for that perfect piece to make your house a home, then look no further than the Affordable Art Fair. This year's edition, their 20th anniversary, is taking place between the 17th and the 20th of October in Battersea Park, and prices start from just £50. For more details and to book tickets, visit affordableartfair.com, and for half-price tickets, use the code GREAT at checkout. Valid Thursday through Sunday. Thanks for listening.